Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We have a great book to share with you today. Looking forward to that conversation in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Dr. David Peter, Professor of Practical Theology and Dean of Faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, also author of Organizing for Ministry Options for Church Structure. Dr. Peter, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. We are looking forward to chatting about your book today. And I have to say, as a DCE, reading through a book on church structure, okay, some people might not get excited about <laughs> that, but as a DCE, this would have been really helpful You know, back when I was in my formation as a DCE. But even today, I think it's still very helpful, not just for church workers, but for laity as well. So before we get into the content of the book, um, Help us understand who you are and where you're coming from. Tell us about your experience and service to the church before your tenure as professor at Concordia Seminary. Sure. So for 10 years before coming to the seminary, I was a pastor at Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Peoria, Illinois. So I was placed there out of the seminary. And for about the first five years, I was the assistant or associate pastor and then the senior pastor retired, and I became the senior pastor. They called me, I should say, to be senior pastor. So I had that experience of, of being in team ministry and actually overseeing team ministry there. And, and it was a fairly large church. So again, I was there for a little over 10 years and then called to the seminary where I've been teaching courses in practical theology. That simply means not that the other types of courses are impractical. <laughs> but it, it, it's putting our theology into practice in the areas specifically for me of leadership, parish administration, preaching. And so especially in these areas of leadership and parish administration, I've had a, a great interest and that has resulted in this book. So, so that experience at Trinity and Peoria really got me oriented to the need for organization in the church, especially in my role as the senior pastor. And, and then for the last 14 years, even as I continue to serve as a professor here, I've also served as a pastor of a small church in St. James, Missouri. And, and so I've learned a lot about leading and managing and the organization that's necessary for a small church. So that's really helped me in both of those areas. Why is learning about this organization so important for our seminary students to have the this understanding right right from the get-go as they're in their formation as pastors, to have this introduction to different styles of leadership and, and different ways of organizing a church? Yes. Actually, I wrote the book <clears throat> for our seminary students. We use it in a number of our courses here. And so that was the impetus because I couldn't find Excuse me. I couldn't find any resource that I found I, I, I would deem to be sufficient for what I was looking for. But more direct to your question, because pastors especially, but I would include other church work, professional church workers, especially like DCEs and directors of worship and so forth, but particularly pastors, 
we are called to be leaders. Actually, in the scriptures, that's very clear that we are called to be leaders. And that is why we have required courses in leadership here at the seminary. So one important facet of leadership is to organize the people so that they can be mobilized, if you will, to advance the purposes of God, the mission of God, the ministry of God. And so I, this organize, organizing aspect of leadership is very, very critical for the functioning of the church, for the well-being of a congregation. What happens if there is a lack of that organization or a lack of structure or leadership? Well, I, I think and I've observed that the church's ministry and its mission will suffer as a result. And a, an example or an analogy, an image that I found helpful for this is the illustration of a vine, a plant. Let's just take a tomato vine, okay? And with a tomato vine, the life is in the plant and the plant produces the fruit and so forth, but it will produce a lot more fruit and I know this from personal experience in my own garden, if it has some kind of structure that it can grow on, some kind of a trellis, some kind of a framework on which it can grow. Now that trellis, that structure is not essential to the life of the plant, but it helps it to be much more vital and thriving and fruitful as well. And so the comparison here, the analogy is God works through his church, through people, okay? But we can be much more fruitful if there is a kind of trellis, a, a structure that we can attach ourselves to that will help us to be more organized and be able to attend to the various responsibilities and have accountability to one another and, and you know, assignments assigned to one another. That's organization. And that's going to promote greater fruitfulness in our ministry and mission. That's a really helpful example of, of how this is helpful and, and what happens when we have a healthy organization happening. Are, do you have examples of, of either your time at Trinity Peoria in a larger congregation or, or in a smaller congregation, how this worked, how this worked in a, in a healthy manner that you were able to draw from? Yes. So I'll go back to my experience at the larger church in Peoria. Actually, we were a mid-sized church, and by God's grace, during those 10 years, we grew and we became a large church. But what we discovered is that our organizational structure that we had as a mid-sized church was not working so well now that we became a large church. And specifically, we needed to streamline the structure and uh, make it much more representative in terms of 
of the leaders would more represent the interests of the congregation rather than actually be doing the work of the congregation. That was becoming more and more assigned to our professional staff. And, and so we, we wrestled with this. How can we make this better? We weren't satisfied with the way things were operating and the results that we were having. There were frustrations be between board people and staff people and so forth. And so we began actually the process of investigating other options for organizational structure. And then I received the call to the seminary and came here. But blessedly, that congregation continued to wrestle with this, and they actually did, even after I was gone, adopt a new structure that worked very, very well for them under these new kind of conditions that they found themselves in. What, if anything, do the scriptures teach us about organization in the local congregation? Yes. And of course, this would come primarily from the New Testament. And I would say that what the scriptures present to us is primarily descriptive, not prescriptive. So in the New Testament, you do not have prescribed any particular structure or mode of organizing, but it does describe, particularly in the book of Acts, you have the description of the church in Jerusalem, and, and then later a, a, a more what we call ecumenical council for a, a larger network of churches and so forth. We, we see that appear in Acts chapter 15. But what we see here is that, for example, with the, the early church in Jerusalem, as that church grew— it had to organize itself. This is very clear in Acts chapter 6, where because of the growth of that congregation, certain needs of a certain group of people, the, the Hellenistic widows, were not being attended to. And so the apostles and the elders of that church recognized, we've got to get a new structure of organization. We've got to design the way in which we organize ourselves to attend to these various responsibilities in another way. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 6 in terms of how they resolved that, but it was essentially a, a, a different kind of structure for that church. And then in Acts 15, we have the description of the council at Jerusalem. Well, a council is a kind of organizational structure. And we, we see how that was designed, how it worked, and what some of the results were of that council. So those are just a couple of examples, okay? Now, there are some things that are prescribed in the New Testament. For example, the office of pastor, the pastoral office, divinely ordained and prescribed, and the functions but how then the church carries out its responsibilities and how pastors and other congregational leaders carry out their responsibilities, the Bible gives us that freedom, that latitude to determine for ourselves. It doesn't prescribe it, but it does describe the need for structure. And, and this is why, as I said before, in different contexts, you will have different structures. The large church that I serve 
had a very different structure than the small one that I serve right now. And, and that's appropriate. There's not one size fits all for congregational organization. It is much more contextualized. Okay. But what I have in my book are certain models that we, we observe in congregations and those models, what their advantages are, what their disadvantages are and how they, what kind of contexts the particular model might fit with best. So, so, but again, the models are not like thou shalt have this particular model. It's, it's God gives us again in our gospel freedom in doing ministry and sanctified wisdom led by the spirit to discern what approach, what model works best in our particular context. And we'll take a look at a few, a brief look at some of those models in just a moment when we come back. We're talking with Dr. David Peter, Professor of Practical Theology and Dean of Faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. is a new book, Organizing for Ministry, Options for Church Structure from Concordia Publishing House. We'll chat more about that in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Dr. David Peter, Professor of Practical Theology and Dean of Faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, chatting about his new book, Organizing for Ministry, Options for Church Structure from Concordia Publishing House, released in January of this year. In the book, Dr. Peter, you share this concept of two dimensions. How does this the, this concept of two dimensions help us organize? Yes, it's two dimensions of the church and the two dimensions specifically are a spiritual dimension and a sociological dimension. And this is clearly described in the scriptures in the New Testament, but it's also articulated in our Lutheran confessions, specifically in our various articles in the confessions that deal with the church, what we call ecclesial, the, the doctrine of the church. And particularly in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 8, which is on the church, it says that the church is both a spiritual organization, the body of Christ, where the Holy Spirit works faith in people who hear the word and are nurtured by the sacraments. That's the spiritual dimension. But then it also says it is a, an organization like other civic organizations. And so it has some parallels to other civic organizations or what we might call social structures and social organizations. 
And so that would be the sociological dimension to it. And using the analogy that I had before of the vine and the trellis, the spiritual dimension would be the vine and the sociological dimension would be the trellis. So the real life, the, the, the church as an organism would be the spiritual dimension where we are the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us life and produces fruit in us through the means of grace, word, and sacrament. But there is then this other dimension that is the sociological dimension. So that would be, again, more like the trellis that is helpful because we live in a, in a, in a, a physical world and we are physical creatures. This is what we call first article, the first article of the creed theology that requires us then to function in social units, and that includes organizing. So when God created us, he created us to be social beings. He said to Anne, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm going to make a helpmate for you. As soon as you have more than one human being, you've got to organize, okay? <laughs> That's just kind of hardwired into create. Even within the family, there's need for organization, that social unit. Well, in the family of the church, there's also the need for organizing as a social unit. And what, what my book does is to provide us with some different structures then, options for organizing in that sociological dimension. But I do want to say one other thing. Um, there's the danger of getting too much emphasis on the sociological that it dimish, diminishes the spiritual so that the church just becomes another business. And that's the priority, that we are efficient and effective in our sociological business. That is not what God intends. So the sociological dimension is always secondary to the spiritual dimension of the church, which is the priority. And uh, what I argue here is that the sociological dimension supports the work of the spiritual, of the, the means of grace, of getting the gospel out, of nurturing people in the faith. These organizational structures are not the essence of the church. The essence of the church is what the Holy Spirit is doing through word and sacrament ministry. But the structure supports that, and that's why it is helpful. That's why it is given necessary. That's a really helpful distinction to make. So we keep our priorities straight and keep our focus maybe in, in the right place to do the work that God has given us to do. Now, you've mentioned that, you, that, that you've written a few ways for organization in the church. What are those different ways that you present for organization in the church? Yeah. So the first part of my book is more kind of the introduction, orientation, the, the theology. The second part is where I identify what are these three dominant models of organization that I've observed in Lutheran churches, but from what I've heard, it's also pretty much characteristic of other Christian churches in North America. And those three models are the working board model, 
the managing board model and the governing board model. The working board model is one in which you have multiple program boards, or you might call them ministry boards, where you have people elected to fill those boards, say an evangelism board or a Christian education board or a fellowship board or a stewardship board, these different program areas, ministry areas. And you have people, typically four to six people elected to actually do the work on behalf of the church of those particular program areas. And that's why it's called a working board model, because they're elected to actually directly hands-on do the work. The second model is the managing board model, and this is people are elected to oversee and manage certain ministry areas. So again, these are lay people who are elected, and so instead of having four to six people on a an evangelism board, you have one to two people who are elected to manage the ministry of evangelism in the church, and then another one or two elected to manage education, and another one and two to manage fellowship, okay? So they are seeing that the work gets done, but not necessarily doing the work. In fact, ideally, they're not doing the work. They're delegating the work. They're recruiting and equipping others to do the work. The third model is what's called the managing board model. I'm sorry, not managing, governing board model. And that's where you have a large church with multiple paid staff. And the the board is elected to be a board of directors who write policies and the strategic direction that is then carried out by the paid staff, the church staff, the pastors, DCE, you know, others, outreach director, music director, whatever. That is being carried out by the staff. And that follows what we call the Carver model or the policy governance model. So these are three different models, and I identify what the advantages and disadvantages are for each. That way, congregational leaders can read these and identify what they think might work best for them, or if they're content with the model that they have, how they can improve what they're doing, the model that they're using. Once a congregation adopts a model that might be a good fit for them, what's important to understand for maintaining or maybe even improving on their structure and their organization with just about a minute left? Sure. Again, as I've said before, organizational structure is contextual. It depends on the context and you want to find the structure that works best for the context. But the fact is our contexts are always changing. So, for example, the church I served, we went from a mid-sized church to a large church. That context changed. And so we felt we needed to change the structure. We're, we're, there are other ways in which context changes. We're moving into a more of a post-church culture, post-church context. And so that might cause a congregation to change its structure. We're, we're moving into a time in which people are much less willing to volunteer. And because of that, we may need to move to a different kind of structure that addresses 
the proclivity of people in terms of the ways in which they're more willing to serve as volunteers. So the the con as the congregational context changes, the congregation would be wise to reflect on how their organizational structure might need to change also. Organizing for Ministry Options for Church Structure from Concordia Publishing House, released in January of this year. Our guest today, Dr. David Peter, Professor of Practical Theology and Dean of Faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Peter, thanks for sharing this great resource with us and spending some time on the coffee hour with us today. It was truly my delight. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.